Boker Tov, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am Rabbi Mordecai Griffin. This is Sar Shalom Synagogue and Lapid Judaism. And all of you who are watching are part of the Lapid Legion. And so we welcome you. We're glad you are here. Uh, the Lapid Legion, the Lapid Nation, people watching from across the Fruited Plain. Uh, you know, it's funny, by the way, I was, I've been uh, asking uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek for somebody to join us from Maine. And then uh, Haim tells me uh, at Havdalah last night that, that he, in fact, is originally uh, kind of from Maine and has family in Maine and has gone to Maine for family reunions and those kinds of things. So we kind of have somebody from Maine, so- somewhat, anyway. Uh, so, Brukashem. Now I want somebody from Ireland. Anybody from Ireland out there? We have England. We have Scotland. Looking for Ireland to join us. Would love to have somebody from Ireland to be a part of the Lapid Legion. We need somebody there. And uh, Brukashim, that would be awesome. So we have welcome. We have people watching, by by the way, from California to to New Hampshire, from, from uh, Canada to Florida. We have people in uh, all the continents. And, and, and I believe with perfect faith there's somebody uh, watching from Antarctica. They just can't reply on the comments because their keyboard is frozen. But otherwise... Uh, they're enjoying it. So, Brukashem, glad you're with us. It's been a wonderful weekend. It's been a wonderful day. It's been a wonderful um, holiday of Shavuot, wonderful renewal, lots of illumination, lots of revelation, uh, myself included, uh, lots of just personal uh, things from Hashem that, you know, as we all do, we pick up on things. Hashem's speaking to us about certain things and and helping us to grow uh, personally, helping us to grow corporately. It's, it was wonderful to see uh, so many uh, HCOs that came in uh, from across the Fruited Plain, from the East Coast, from the Middle America, uh, from South Texas. It was just great to see everybody, uh, to put uh, some of them uh, we, we just had known online but didn't have a chance to meet personally. So that that's just beautiful. It's wonderful to have uh, Sue with us from across the pond. She's making her way this morning back to England. And so it was a, a joy uh, to have them here. If you're an HCO and you've never been uh, you've never been here, uh, I encourage you to take advantage of the low airfare <laughs> that is going on right now and uh, come join us one weekend uh, here at, in, in Saginaw, Texas, here in Fort Worth and, and experience it, experience the people. I think that you'll uh, be a real blessing to you just to experience the place and uh, uh, what you see online. A lot of times you just see the sanctuary, but join us in the Haverhof for uh, food and fellowship. Let your kids go to the education wing. We have a two-story education wing. Uh, it's a pretty big building, actually. Uh, so uh, you know, come shop in the fig tree store. Uh, visit Katura in her office. Uh, maybe if you have a chance, you might be able to come to my office and see where the magic happens around here. <laughs> so, uh, all those kinds of things. And then, of course, you get to tour the uh, the mikveh, which is just down the street. We bought a house about a half mile away and built the mikveh there. And so, um, you can go there and see the mikveh. It's going to be it's amazing. So, I encourage everybody to, to come and 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 see us, Baruch Hashem. Uh, it's it really is wonderful. And it's it's uh, exciting, and you get to know everybody. Everybody gets to see your face, and all this kind of thing. And of course, I should say, lastly, uh, you should move here. It's uh, the weather's great, and the place is great, the people are great. And you should move here. 
So uh, there you go. Put your house on the market. Uh, find a, a job in, in, uh, in Tejas and move here. Baruch Hashem. All right. So we are in Parashah Naso this week. Parashah Naso. And uh, let's see. We're going to be... Let me get my chumash over here. Just looking at some really great insights we'll share in just a moment. Parashah Naso. And we're going to be in chapter 4 of the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 4. And we're going to begin reading in verse 21. That's going to begin the verse, the first aliyah. So chapter 4, 21 through uh, verse 20, looks like 27. 27 will be the final verse of the first aliyah. So let's read, and then we have some things we want to share and get to. Uh, and then we'll... Um, We'll just see where Hashem wants to lead us. So it says here, Vadaber Adonai el Moshe lemor. Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, Naso et rosh b'nei Gershon. Take a census of the sons of Gershon as well according to their father's household, according to their families. From 30 years of age and up until 50 years of age shall you count them. Everyone who comes to join the legion... There you go. How about that? Everyone who comes to join the legion to perform the work in the tent of meeting. Well, I just love the way that just just got phrased right there. We talk about the Lapid Legion. You're coming to join the legion. Why? So that you can perform the work in the tent of meeting, the basic Mikdash. I just, I, I really like that. Uh, anyway, uh, to join the legion. Welcome to the legion, the Lapid Legion. I know we say Lapid Nation and there's nothing wrong with that. That's on our little uh, Sparks card, but I sure do like the Legion thing. That's the military historian uh, in me. Uh, but I digress. Join the Legion to perform the work in the Tent of Meeting. This is the work of the Gershonite families to work and to carry. They shall carry the curtains of the Tabernacle and the Tent of Meeting, its cover and the Tachash cover and its cover, and, and, and it, uh, that is, excuse me, that is over from above. And the screen of the entrance of the tent of meeting, the lace hangings of the courtyard, and the screen of the entrance of the gate of the courtyard that were around the tabernacle and the altar, their ropes and all the utensils of their service and everything that is made for them, and they shall serve. According to the word of Aaron and his sons shall be all the work of the sons of Gershonites, their entire burden, their entire work. You shall appoint their entire burden as their charge. This is the work of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their charge shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the sons of Aaron and the Cohen. The sons of Mary, uh, according to their families, according to their father's households, shall you count them. From the thirty years of age and up until fifty years of age shall you count them. Everyone who comes to the legion to perform the work of the tent of meeting, this is the charge of their burden for all their work in the tent of meeting, the planks of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, the pillars of the courtyard all around, their sockets, their pegs, their ropes, for all their utensils and for all their work, you shall appoint them by name to the utensils. They are to carry on their watch. This is the work of the families of the sons of Merari, according to all their work in the tent of meeting, under the authority of Ithamar, son of Aaron the Cohen. Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the assembly counted the sons of the Cothanites according to their families, according to their father's household, from 30 years of age and up until 50 years of age. Everyone who comes to the legion for the work in the tent of meeting, 
They're counting according to their families were 2,750. These are the counting of the Kothite families, all who work in the tenth of meeting with, or excuse me, whom Moshe and Aaron counted at the age of, excuse me, the word of Adonai under the authority of Moses. Baruch Hashem. That is the end of the first Aliyah. <clears throat> By the way, I just, I meant to say this earlier that uh, just as a reminder, most of you know this already, but just in case you're uh, not aware, the uh, synagogue services coming up this Shabbat is they are going to be back to normal. So uh, normal Oneg, normal children's classes, nursery, all that kind of stuff. The days of COVID uh, stuff are behind us. They've actually been behind us for a couple of weeks at least. Um but they are behind us, so nothing to worry about. If you've been staying away from the shul because you're concerned, I would encourage you not to be concerned. Of course, you can do what you want. Everybody, you know, uh, be safe and all those kinds of things. It's America. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just telling you it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, by the way, you know, all this terrible looting and rioting that's been going on is just crazy. Um, it's unfortunate. It's, it's um, sad. It seems like it's starting to, to uh, you know, come under control. But uh, notice that nobody's social distancing and nobody's getting sick. So how quickly things evaporate uh, in our world when there's a, a new crisis to uh, talk about. So um, in case you're wondering if everybody gets together, they're going to start dropping like flies of COVID. Well, apparently if you're looting and burning things down, it makes you immune. Um, I'm just, I'm half kidding. But seriously though, just come to the show hall as well. Everything will be back to normal and life will be fine. All right, so um, looking here at a few things, let's go first of all to the Gutnik Chumash. And, and by the way, may Hashem bring peace to all of our cities and all of that. And may anybody who's causing a lack of peace, um, uh, may Hashem deal with them. You know what, on that note, I think I was going to go here to the Gutnik, but let me let me first go to the Akidaki side because... I wasn't planning this, but it just so happens there's a drop here on peace. It's fitting, uh, given given the situation here. So let's talk about this because uh, just I said I said let there be peace, and I was thinking about this this uh, insight, and so wow, here we are, uh, Gamzu. So here's what it says. This is from Akidaki Yitzak to Parsha Naso. Um, it says Midrash Rabbah. Parashat Naso, Slika. Little summertime allergies here. Um, quotes Rabbi Yehuda ben Shimon as saying that when Moshe entered the tabernacle upon its completion, he heard a beautiful voice. This is what's known in, in Yiddishkeit as the Bat Kol. So, uh, once again, as I very frequently say, there is literally nothing new in the New Testament. Um, so when Mashiach is immersed and then it says there's a voice from heaven and then later on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a voice from heaven, uh, that happens very frequently in rabbinic literature. The, it's called a bat kol, um, a voice from heaven. Uh, so there is a beautiful voice. And the, the voice, which is, of course, God's voice, said to Moses, in the past... There has been some hostility between me and my children, some friction between me and my children. Now that the tabernacle has been established, 
There is love between my children and me. There is peace between my children and me. Again, nothing new in the New Testament. It says here that God is saying, listen, there's been friction between me and my children, but now that the tabernacle has been established, there is now love between uh, me and my children. Well, Yeshua, it says in the book of John chapter 1, we read this on, um, I think we read this on the Friday Minka uh, service, that Yeshua came and made his tabernacle with us. So now that Yeshua has made his tabernacle with us, there had that, that thread that we're about to find out in a second, that silver thread of shalom has been reestablished, and now there's love between God and his children. So it says, Rabbi Yehoshua said that the book of Psalms seems unnecessary since all the blessings are contained in this short portion when it says, God will raise his countenance towards you and grant you peace. Now, of course, we find in this in this parasha uh, that we have the the priestly blessing. Um, this this, of course, largely what Akidaki Yitzhak is talking about. He says it is commonly supposed that peace is the restoration of harmony between parties that have been at odds with each other. Okay, that's what most people think when they think about peace. Peace is the restoration of harmony. People who conceive of peace as being merely that deprive the concept of much of its value. It says, if peace does nothing more than restore a balance where there was previously been an imbalance, it can hardly be considered a blessing. Shame is not a virtue since it presupposes that an unworthy act has been committed, which the perpetrator is now ashamed of. Actually, peace is more like the silver thread that joins two people or two entities, combining them into a unified whole. Why is one of the names of God Shalom, peace? Did you know that? Did you know that one of God's names is actually Shalom? So... This is important because when you say to someone, Shalom, you are speaking a blessing on them that says, may there be nothing missing, nothing broken. And you're also speaking upon them the very name of God itself. That's literally greeting someone in God's name. Which uh, is also interesting because when it says that the name of the Mashiach, his name is going to be Sar Shalom, which is a prince of peace or minister of peace. In his name is a div the divine name. So it says, why is one of the names of God Shalom? The answer is because he ties together worlds, keeps them united, and preserves their appearance and format. When we read in 2 Samuel eleven seven, it says, David acquired after the peace of Yoav, the peace of the people, and the peace of the war. He, 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 he inquires, hey, how, how's the peace of Yav? How's the peace of the war? And by the way, how's the, how, or excuse me, how's the peace of the people? And by the way, how's the peace in the war? That seems like a uh, contradiction of terms. If you're having war, then you can't have peace, right? 
you either have war or you have peace, but you don't have both simultaneously. But David inquired, hey, what's the peace in the war? So it says, there is certainly no reference intended to the cessation of the war. The, this war was still very much in progress. And David merely asked Uriah whether these people or affairs were all well and proceeding according to the plan. The word peace in that context describes that there was a common bond between the people or the animals described, a city of people who do not quarrel with one another, who tolerate each other's idiosyncrasies, cannot be said to be at peace with each other as long as they do not share a common purpose or goal. Furthermore, when there is no bond joining people, there is a degree, a degree of separateness which may eventually lead to dis, uh, disintegration, that is decay, and so on. So it says in Isaiah 45, 7, has, has this in mind when it, he contrasts, fashions lights or creates darkness, makes peace or creates evil. I, the Lord, do all these. So the relationship of Ra, or evil, to Shalom, peace, is like the relationship between darkness and light. Peace, that is harmony, is the fr fruitful interaction of the various energies of different bodies of bodily elements. So in other words, peace doesn't mean that we all agree. Peace doesn't mean that we're all the same. Peace doesn't even mean that we are necessarily completely comfortable with each other's idiosyncrasies, that, that it doesn't bother us or that you know we look past it or you know uh, it doesn't irritate us or those kinds of things. Peace simply means that we are joined together, accepting each other in those idiosyncrasies, accepting each other in our differences, because we have a common cause. We have a common bond. This is why armies are able to, uh, you know, work together. You know, um, uh, my daughter Hadassah and my wife were having this conversation just the other day that you can, you can be... Um, you can be in a foreign country somewhere. You can find yourself, let's say, you're in you're you're in in Germany, and I've never been to Germany, but I've heard it's beautiful. We have people who watch from Germany, by the way, but that's not even there. But anyway, you're in Germany. It's beautiful. You're enjoying it. It's it's wonderful, and you run into an American. Obviously, you're from America, and you run into an American, and all of a sudden, you guys are the best of friends. You're sitting there. You're having some uh, whatever. You're having a drink. You're having a, you're having a, a, an ale in the beer garden, and out some outside of some German village, and you realize the person sitting next to you is from the United States, and you're from Texas maybe, and they're from oh I don't know, Maine. They're from Maine, and all of a sudden it's like y'all are long lost friends. And everything is wonderful. You're totally different. One's from the south. One's from the north. You don't know each other. You don't have any family or friends that know each other. You're complete strangers, but there's a common bond. It is that we're both Americans. You're both from Los Estados Unidos. You, you both cherish the American ideal or whatever. And so as a result, you're bonded even in Germany. That, my friends, is shalom. So it says, when Hillel advised people to emulate the virtue of Aaron, namely to strive for peace, it says he was quite correct inasmuch as this is a most positive character trait. Similarly, 
When Hillel said, do not separate yourself from the community, he was merely describing the other side of that coin. Zibur, community, after all, is what has been united by Shalom. So the holiness of God depends, listen to this, the holiness of God depends on the community. It depends on the community. It says here, I will be sanctified within the community of Israel. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you cannot sanctify God outside of community? Why? Because God said in his holy Torah that I will be sanctified in community. So this is very important because the enemy likes to get us separate. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to get us separated from community? We, we, we don't like this about the community. We don't like that about the community. The rabbi has this opinion about this or that. And I don't like it. I like, I like 99% of what he says. Everything he says is great. 95% of what he says. Whatever. It's wonderful. He has this one opinion. I'm out. Or this, everything is great in the community. I love it. Everything is wonderful. But, uh, but Ari didn't invite me to sit at his table at Oneg, and therefore I know he hates me. I'm gone. Um, you know, I don't like the way that the, the band plays. Um, I, I wish they would do the Torah procession differently. They go to the right. I wish they go to the left. You know, whatever. I'm out, I'm out of here. And you th they think to yourself, you know what, I'll just go to my living room and I'll sit there by myself uh, with my family and uh, I'll just sanctify God's name there and, and God says that's not how it works. This is why, by the way, that it's a mitzvah to gather on Shabbat. People say, is it a mitzvah to gather on Shabbat? Oh, can, is it a mitzvah? Show me where it's a mitzvah. And it's like, it's, of course it's a mitzvah. Why? Because Hashem wants you to be in community. By the way, is it a mitzvah to have a minion? Yes. Well, how, how can you have a minion if you don't gather? Oh. Yeah. So you say, is it a mitzvah to gather on Shabbat? I don't know. I, should I drive or not drive? Is it a mitzvah? Are you supposed to have 10 people? Yes. How can you have 10 people if you don't get there? Oh. What do the sages say about praying by yourself? Is it better to pray for, by yourself or is it better to pray in the minion? What do they say? They say, at all costs, find a minion. How can you find a minion if you're sitting at home? Why do you think God wants that? Why? Because he wants community. Why? Because that's where true shalom is. It's easy to be in shalom when you're by yourself because you love yourself. But true shalom is when you can be with people that maybe they kind of, you know, they're not necessarily 100% on board with everything. They don't agree with you. You don't agree with them, whatever, you know, personality-wise. But yet, you have a common goal. You're part of the legion. So therefore, you can be in shalom with them. So it says, when the community sins, one must abandon it. Jeremiah 9.1. So if the community is bad, the community's got some serious issues. I'm, not, I'm talking about serious issues, serious sin. Not, not uh, they don't have the Oneg table set up the way I want. The way I want. That's not an issue. No one has ever said that to me. Okay, I'm, I'm just ma I'm making stuff up. To I'm 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 illustrating with absurdity. It has to be a real sin, not they didn't choose the carpet I wanted them to choose. 
Now, if that's the case, you leave the community. Why? Because it's in sin. If your leader is up there telling you, don't worry, just go ahead and have a cheeseburger, God doesn't care, you, you can't be a part of that community. That he's breaking Torah law. That's different. But it says, when only an individual sins, the community must see to it that the individual repents, or if need be, they, they put him outside the community as a harem, as a, as a type of quarantine. In other words, he's banished for a little bit until he can get his life right and then come back. This has happened. We've done that to people. You know, um, obviously it's with great care and it's after a lot of counseling and it's after a lot of chances, but we have on, on occasion put people outside the community because they, they needed to work on some things. And guess what? In some cases they came back and they're great. Life is great. So it says, since peace, therefore, is of a vital importance to the existence of the community, it is clear that precisely at the time the tabernacle was put in service, God would pronounce the blessing of Shalom, as it says we've noted in our opening Midrash. That was Akidak Yitzhak. Very, very insightful about what it means to live uh, in Shalom. It's a lost art. It's a lost art. Uh, and and a lot of the up, up upheaval, a lot of the upheaval we're seeing right now is just anarchist people who hate America, um, and they're they're just using the situation as an excuse to pillage and plunder and cause destruction for the sake of causing destruction and hate. There's a very s small fraction of the people out there that are actually protesting for the right reasons, uh, but they're not the ones that are causing destruction. But true peace is where we learn to live with our differences in a community uh, because we have a common goal. So the Parashah Naso is always read on the Shabbat adjacent to Shavuot, indicating that the predominating theme of Naso is strongly connected with the giving of the Torah celebrated on Shavuot. It says the Torah was, in fact, studied long before it was actually given in the year 2448. That's so important to understand. That, that the giving of the Torah in Shavuot was actually a re-giving of the Torah. It, it, it's, it, that some, a lot of people think that the Torah didn't exist or whatever until it was given on Sinai. And that is uh, obviously incorrect. The Torah is outside of time. The Torah created time. So there's not a point at which Torah can come into time because Torah created time. So it says, in fact, the Bible teaches us that the Torah is was the instrument of creation itself. So before anything existed, the Torah existed. Okay, This is why you could never get rid of it. No matter how many letters a rabbi writes to congregations, no matter what he says, no one can ever get rid of the Torah. It's an impossibility. That's important. I know that a lot of people who are watching are already part of the Lapid Legion, but there's a number of people who watch every week, and they're just brand new. The number one thing you have to understand, this, just, this, this number one thing that I just said, I'm going to repeat, this number one thing is critical to your theological philosophy. And, and for some of you, it will 
radically change your theological philosophy, and you'll have to take some time to adjust and think about it, but it's true. It's true. 100% true. God is my witness. It's true. 100%. That is this. The law of Moses, which is, by the way, the law of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, Holy Writ, can never, ever, not, a, not even one commandment of it, not even one jot or tittle of it, none of it, can ever ever, ever, ever cease to exist, go away, be abrogated, cease to be effective, ever. It is eternal for all time, no matter what. It's, we know this because God said it, okay? But you have to understand, if you understand that, and let that be your driving force that's the spearhead of your theology, then everything else will eventually line up for you. It'll make perfect sense. So anyway, it says here, Our sages revealed that the patriarchs were fluent in Torah. And even prior to that, Shem, Noah's sons, headed a Torah academy. Nevertheless, the giving of the Torah was not merely a formality whereby the Torah was officially presented to the Jewish people. Rather, at Sinai, a significant change took place and the compatibility of spirituality with this physical world. So, if the Torah already existed, and all the patriarchs were fluent in it, and even Shem had a Torah academy, then why do we have to have the Torah come, come when it did? What, what's, what, why? If it all already been here, then what's the deal? Well, it has to do with compatibility. It says, as the Midrash relates, until the giving of the Torah, God had decreed that spirituality, that is the upper worlds, and physicality, the lower worlds, could have no lasting union. And when the Torah was given, the decree was annulled. Consequently, it says, when we study the Torah now, after the giving of the Torah, we do not merely become educated and knowledgeable, but more importantly, our physical being becomes infused, strengthened, and uplifted by the spirituality of the Torah. To stress this point, the parasha which we read around the time of Shavuot is called Naso, which literally means lift, indicating how Torah actually elevates our physical existence to a higher plane. From this we can learn that the Torah was not intended to be limited to the realm of the academic or even to the spiritual. Torah should affect us deeply to the extent that even our ordinary everyday activities become uplifted as a result of our exposure to Torah, fulfilling the divine intent that the upper worlds and lower worlds should be in harmony with one another. That's the shalom, the silver thread that binds physicality to spirituality is called the Holy Torah, even Messiah Yeshua. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for being with me. There is a lot more to share. We're simply out of time. But we're never out of content. We'll be back tomorrow morning, Bezrat Hashem, for the second reading. Until then, have a blessed, wonderful, and beautiful day. We'll look forward to seeing everybody manana.